And were your parents like professing Christians? Were you saved later in life? How did your journey look that way? We were in church growing up, just like non-denominational. We lived in Alabama. I remember the, like the altar call, and I remember doing that in sixth grade. Okay, that's it. I'm a Christian, like I'm saved, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to heaven. And there wasn't a profession of faith and then a surrender of my life to the Lord. And so I thought I was saved, went through high school and graduated, and I didn't meet Noah until I was 20. And I remember like listening to his testimony, and he had just this like such shorty in his salvation and I remember thinking like I I don't have that I just prayed out loud and I I said Lord like I, I want you I, I surrender my life to you this has changed me forever the now that we're a family Podcast. Okay, so Elizabeth, I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast today. Thanks for taking time. That's actually a one one big thing I want to talk about on the podcast today is your time and how you divide it so wisely. Um, but can you tell our listeners who aren't familiar with you who you are from, you know, your perspective? <laughs> Of course. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, so if you are not familiar, I am Elizabeth Parsons. Most people know me as Purely Parsons on Instagram. Um, I've been sharing over there since, I guess, around like 2019 is when I started um, sharing publicly. And it was kind of my passion to speak life into motherhood and to help moms feel empowered to care for their children at home. Um, I was traditionally trained as a pediatric nurse. And so I was in the walls of the hospital for almost a decade before coming home in 2020 full-time to be with my kiddos. Um, so I just share a lot of faith and motherhood and natural remedies over there. Um, I have five kids and they range in age from two-year-old twins to a nine-year-old. And so I'm kind of in a lot of different phases right now. Um, I've got toddlers, I've got school-aged kids, we homeschool, there's a whole lot of different personalities and interests. And so I just kind of share all of that and, you know, learn, learning alongside of, of my community there. Um, and it's been so fun to see kind of what the Lord has done with this. I never planned to have this platform or this presence. And, um, you know, I just, it's my daily prayer that I'm just using it for his glory. So that's me. Yeah, you do such a great job, I feel like, of mixing all those things. And it's so unique to have someone with a traditional medicinal background. And then you also have the, you know, the home remedy side that you share. And so I think it's really cool because there's that safety and knowing that you know what causes harm, what doesn't, you know, you have that like, knowledge. And then you also are able to share this side of like more prevention versus treatment um, that we get most of the time when we end up in a hospital, just right. needing to cover yes, our symptoms. I, I think there's a balance to be had. And, and I have had my own journey with my, my natural, um, my natural health journey, but there's a balance, right? Like, absolutely. If I am in a car wreck and I get my arm chopped off, like take me to the hospital. There is a place, there's a time and a place for emergency medicine and for Western medicine. Um, there's a time and a place for it. But I think, um, you know, moms, we can handle a lot and we have, we have something that nobody else has. And that is our, um, instinct that we've been given. And 
nobody can care for their child the way that a mother can. So I just, um, I, I love speaking life into that and giving moms confidence to know what they need to have on hand in order to do that. So Yes. And your posts are so well-researched and well-written and you just give a ton of information, which I think is super helpful. I've learned so much. And so you have like motherhood for you right now, you're homeschooling, you have twins, which (laughs) is a thing in and of itself. I could not imagine. And then you also have a home-based business, right? Outside of social media. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I So social media is kind of where I started and I never knew that people could make money on social. I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, but as my audience grew, I, it, it, I kind of just fell into really the elderberry kits is where I started because I had people asking. I would share about it because it's one of the ways that I keep our family healthy. Um, through just making elderberry syrup. I've been doing that since like 2014. And so I would just share when I was making it and people asked if I could, if I could ship it to them. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And I looked into it. And at the time it was like, I, I was just me, you know, I'm like, I can't, you have to, there's like a lot of hoops and laws and things you have to jump through in order to actually sell a food product. And so I was like, well, I can't ship like already made syrup, but what if I ship the dry ingredients and just make it like really easy for people to do? And so that's kind of what I started doing. And I remember, I remember bringing the idea to my husband and he, he was like, that's kind of (laughs) weird. Like he was, he was very like skeptical at first, but then I think he saw like once I launched and, um, it just kind of grew and, um, that business kind of grew alongside my Instagram business. And, um, now we have like seven products, seven or eight products available in my shop. Um, all we're, we're very passionate about, um, researching ingredients and making, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of companies out there that say that they're natural, but it's really just kind of like covering it's greenwashing is what it's called, but it's, it's, chemically all like it's chemical natural, you know, it's like natural chemicals. Well, well, we are really passionate about actually having truly natural ingredients and, um, just very clean products. And so we have a range of, of products over there now. And that's just kind of like, it's been crazy. It's been, it's been a journey and we're just learning every single day. (laughs) Yes. So does your husband do that with you or does he do that and do something outside the home too? Or do you guys kind of work together in that? We work together now. Um, so okay. my husband, uh, just until very recently, um, was uh, an engineer, and that's what he did. Um, that's what he's done that for the last 14 years of our marriage is he's been an engineer. Um, and so only very recently has he come home to actually do this together. So Wow. And okay, so I've got to ask, how has that transition been? Has it been totally smooth or has it been like <laughs> trying to figure it out? It was a really, it was really tricky for Elisha and I to navigate that the first couple of years. Um, we have, we're going to have to talk about that more after this, like yeah. at some point, because I think it is, it's not normal, right? It's not mm-hmm. a normal dynamic to have like the hut, like the husband at home and the wife at home, but then you also have a business together, but then you're also kind of parenting together and you're also homeschooling together. It's just like, there's so many different dynamics that are happening and it's been, it's been good. Like they're like overall, like so, so good, but there's definitely been some just kind of trial and error and me having to kind of like lay aside my, like, well, this is kind of how I did it 
in terms of like parenting and homeschool, like this is how we've always done it. But now, you know, you're here. And so men just, I think, parent differently and they expect a, a, a different um, level of just like order. <laughs> yeah. How my husband is. And so it's just, it's just been a, a learning experience and growing alongside of one another and kind of just a lot of communication has had to take place, but I feel like right now we're in a good groove. And so we'll see it. We're just, we're just constantly learning together. I love it. I love that perspective. Yeah. You're constantly learning and growing and there's so many different phases in marriage as we go along. So yeah. that's encouraging. I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of different seasons <laughs> over yeah. what did you say 14 years or it'll be 14 years in March yeah. wow yeah. and we've lot we've walked a lot of roads my husband um I was in nursing school when we first got married and then um my husband walked um and a, a very chronic disease road with autoimmune disease and healing from that and then we just jumped into having kids. And so there's just been a lot of different seasons that we've, that we've gone through together. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That really, yeah, I'll bond you. <laughs> so something I wanted to talk about is because there's kind of two sides of health and nutrition. I feel like one is you need the knowledge piece. You need to know what to do, what not to do. And I think, you know, due to accounts like yours, we're getting a lot more knowledge as a general population. Maybe we had it decades ago, and then we kind of lost it when Western medicine came in. We went real hands-off, trust, just trust everybody. And now I feel like there's a lot more information coming back to be like, hey, you can take control of a lot more than what you thought. And so I feel like there's that piece. And then the other piece is applying it. Because sometimes like, okay, we know the good thing to do, but like, so often it is not efficient and it's not in the time frame that we are used to having things done for us. And so I kind of wanted to talk about that, like your time, because you're already doing homeschooling, you're already, you're running a business, you're doing a ton of things by anyone's standard. And then on top of that, you know, you talk about Oh, working out or making meals from home or making home remedies. Like, how do you actually do that? <laughs> just from a time perspective? Yeah, just straight up from time. Like, how do you manage that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I think that it's very easy to look at somebody on social media and be like, they do it all. Like, and and I think social media is tricky because it's a highlight reel, right? Like I'm not, I have hard days and I have days where I feel like I'm failing and I'm like super overwhelmed from like a sensory perspective and a task perspective. And I do my best to show up on my Instagram, very relatable and very authentic. I used to actually have that in my bio, like, I don't know what I said, like showing the real parts of motherhood or authentic motherhood or something like that. My bio has changed over the years. And that's still something that I'm very passionate about is like, being real and not just like, I, I can't just like fake it, you know? And mm -hmm. so, but at the same time, I'm not going to like come on stories while my kids are like tantruming and I'm having to like discipline. It's just not something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hold on guys, be quiet. <laughs> That's not making the cut. <laughs> to remember that the people that you do follow online, like they're real people and they're humans and they are so sinful and they have faults and they have failures. Um, but 
to answer your question, um, from a, a practical perspective, I, I think that just, I have a really good work ethic, just kind of like as a baseline. And that's something I've always had, um, just through like nursing school, I was always very disciplined with studying. And so I think that that does help that I, I do have a good work ethic so I can, um, manage my time. Well, um, most of my work stuff is done in, and this has been up until like literally the last four months when my husband came home in the cracks of motherhood, most of it at night, um, with, you know, my kids asleep or during nap time. Like when I used to record my highlights and I still have a lot of those highlights saved where I would do like the natural remedy series that was at nap time. And I would like prepare all of that for like weeks in advance and then just record it all at nap time slash quiet time. And that's what I did for years, um, before I made a, a scent, you know, with any business. And, um, so a lot of my work is done in, in at nap time during during the evenings, um, but I'm also very intentional about the time that I have when my kids are awake, um, so that I'm maximizing the things that do need to be done. Because aside from having a business, like motherhood in general is a lot of work, and then when you add on homeschooling to that, it's like a whole nother thing. So I don't really get a lot of me time. Um, and I think there, there has to be a shift in perspective when you're doing all of these things, when you're a mother and you're also homeschooling and you're, you know, um, committed to kind of like a more non-toxic life and making meals at home. It, it's just a perspective shift. Like I don't have a lot of me time to like sit and binge Netflix at night that's just not my season right now. You know, I don't have a ton of time to read books, but I try and read when I can. Um, but the perspective ship shift, I think does help. Um, but also including my children in whatever I can. So if I'm working out, I'll often have my kids with me in the barn, like li I'm lifting weights or if I go on a run, I'll, I have a double stroller and I'll take kids if I can. Um, or, you know, if I'm like cooking, I'll try to involve my kids. Like my, my oldest can basically make breakfast at this point. I can just tell her like, Hey, go make some breakfast and she can do it. Um, so I think involving our kids is huge. They, they know that they are part of our family unit and as a part of our family unit, they, they have things that are, are expected of them to just get to be blessed to be in our family. Right. And so not only like training them to eventually be self-sufficient in that, but to be like a blessing to our family and to contribute. Um, so I think that's super important. You know, I think there's a lot of parents out there that are very overwhelmed and rightfully so because they're literally doing everything when, you know, like your kid can sweep the kitchen after meals, you know, just very simple things. It's not like our kids are like workhorses, but they do have things that are expected of them. So I think that's super helpful. And then for me, just from a practical standpoint, to-do lists, like if I have it written out, I can, I can in my mind, like manage it so much better, like just a brain dump at the beginning of the week, like everything that I need to do, or even like daily. I used to, I used to actually show that on my Instagram where I would like have my two to-do lists every single day. And then I would show myself like crossing it off. Like there is nothing more satisfying than crossing something off of a to-do list. And so that's super helpful for me, at, at least in this point of life. Yeah. You're speaking my language, all these things. I'm like, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and that so makes sense. But that's like, that's such a fulfilling way to live life when we have a very 
<laughs> Excuse me. We have a very full life. And you know, like the, the binges on Netflix just don't really satisfy the way we think they would if we had the time for them, you know? And I think so often sometimes depression can hit in motherhood because it's almost like we don't have enough demands on our time. Sometimes it's just enough to be aggravating because we don't have time to ourselves or, you know, we don't have an extended period of time, just do whatever we want. Kids need us. But if we don't have you know, hobbies or projects or, you know, something outside of ourselves that is engaging us and taking our energy, then I feel sometimes we just get really bummed out <laughs> and and really fried and be like, this is prison, you know, being in my house. And so being able to bring in those things, even though it's so much extra work can be so fulfilling too. And yeah, I think that's just so easy. cool. It's very easy as a mother to fall into like the victim mentality. Um, of, and I think society, like it's just, you know, it doesn't take long. Like I literally, I, I don't know what I was trying to find the other day, but I was doing a hashtag and I typed in kids. Oh, I think I was trying to type kids are a blessing. And I typed kids like hashtag kids. And you know how it populates like suggestions. The first one was are the worst. And I'm like, Wow. This is so sad. Like, no, kids are such a blessing and we are not victims of our children. And it just takes real intentionality in the younger years. And like, look, my kids are kids and they are little sinners. Like people get real riled up when you tell them that your, their kids were born with a sin nature. They are, they're sinful by nature that I don't have to teach my two-year-old to, to hit his brother. Like that's just innate in him. And so you know, it takes intentionality to, to be like, to, to have kids be a contributing, you know, unit of the family. And yeah, so I just think not falling into that victim mentality of the toxic, like I need a glass of wine to survive my kids. No, like our kids are such a blessing and praise the Lord that we have them. So yes. And just that little, that little subtle shift makes a huge difference on how we view our families, how we act towards our families, and then how our kids view us. It's a very positive cycle versus a very negative cycle. And I know, I think it's funny with the whole sin nature thing too. I had someone ask the other day, how do you help kids deal with, you know, toddlers deal with big emotions. I was like, well, I like to say like, how do you help toddlers deal with sin? (laughs) Like just a lot more cut and dry that way, you know? (laughs) Um, It doesn't matter how big the emotion is if it's not, uh, if it's just sin or not sin. Okay. So how do you keep your marriage strong during all of this? You've gone through a lot of busy seasons. You've gone through health crisis seasons, you know? Um, what I feel like every marriage kind of has their own thing. You know, some people it's like, oh, it's date nights. Or other people like, we we don't go on date nights. We, you know, do this, you know. Yeah. But what has it been kind of for you guys? Yeah, we've we've been through a lot of different seasons. And, and I think date nights are great if that is something that is feasible for you. Um, for us personally, we we live in Texas. None of our family live in Texas. And so... and. It, leaving our children, we have a a very select number of not very many people that we would just like leave our children with. And so, you know, date nights don't really happen very often for us. Maybe once every six months we get to go out and have a date night and it takes a lot of planning and it takes a lot of, um, 
work on our end. And so that's just not something that's a reality for us. And, and that's okay. But if that's something that you can do and you have family that's involved and like wants to let you have date nights, I think that's amazing, but you don't need date nights to have a thriving marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for us, you know, it's like the, it's just being intentional in kind of like the mundane moments of the day, you know, like when my husband is speaking to me, to stop what I'm doing, to stop multitasking, or if I'm like looking at my phone, to put my phone down and truly like look up into his eyes and listen to what he's saying. Because, and, and I am, I'm speaking to myself here because often he'll be like, I already, I told you that. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear you, <laughs> you know? And, and often it's because like the kids are, are distracting or something. So really trying to be intentional about like listening to your husband when he's talking to you, or, you know, if you know, um, something that he appreciates, like making his coffee in the morning, like do that. Just like these little acts of service, um, can speak volumes, um, to connect like in the middle of the kitchen, just while our kids are playing in the living room and there's babies running around just to connect and like hug and like look each other in the eyes and like say, I love you and kiss and make your kids really grossed out. Like those, (laughs) those things are just like, you know, it's just so simple, but I think as husband and wife, you can really fall into the roommate kind of like not mentality, but you can start to feel like roommates when you have kids and you have a lot of kids like we do, because it's constantly just one thing after the next of taking care of the kids. Um, and so you really do have to be intentional with your marriage and, um, I didn't have parents growing up where I, like my mom was divorced and she was a single mom and, um, I didn't get to see parents that loved each other or even liked each other. Like, I think that's so important for our kids to see, Hey, mom and dad love each other, but they also like each other. And, you know, our kids see us fight. Um, we, we try not to fight in front of them, but it happens. Like my husband is a very passionate person. And so I'm more of like a, Hey, let's take this back a notch and like go to another room or like, let's come back to this. No, he's like, we're doing this right now. And so like, yeah, our kids see us fight, but you know what? They also see us make up. And I think that that's healthy. I think it's healthy for them to know like marriage isn't easy. Um, and not everybody's marriage. I would say nobody's marriage is perfect because this is two sinful yes. people coming together and trying to glorify the Lord. And, um, So another practical thing that we have gotten to do, um, recently, uh, just like this, actually this past year, it was kind of like our goal was to have, we call it a family altar, which sounds kind of weird, but, um, it's, it's not, it's just daily Bible time together. And like having this like family, um, you know, time where we come and we come together and we read the word and we sing hymns together. And it's, it's like 10 minutes every day, but our kids are there and my husband and I are there and we're reading the word together. We're singing our hymns. We're doing scripture memorization. We're praying together. Um, because my husband and I have, we've done Bible studies together, um, before and where we like have, okay, Friday night, this is where we're going to do Bible study night for us after the kids are in bed. And that's been great too, but we don't always do that. And it's not consistent but that family Bible time every day, that's been consistent. And it has been so, so great. It sets the tone for our day. Um, and it doesn't take long, you know, do it over breakfast. That's something that you do every single day. So if you're having a hard time finding time to do family Bible time, do it during something that you do every single day, have breakfast and do Bible time together. So I love that. That's super practical 
tip to stack it with something you're already doing. And I love the the name family altar. I think that's such a cool visual of like, you know, we, or the Israelites, you know, would erect these altars as these signs and these symbols and how cool, like when I look back on growing up, I, I do see that breakfast time Bible time as like, that was a sign and a symbol of who we were and what Christ had done. And, um, I just think that's a beautiful imagery, uh, with those words. So tell me a little bit, I'm curious about your story. So you grew up, you didn't have this example of, you know, the marriage that you would hope to have one day. And were your parents like professing Christians? Were you saved later in life? How did your journey look that way? Yeah, my, um, I was raised in a Christian home. My mom, um, she was, she took us to church and I was involved in church growing up. My dad actually was not involved in my life. I mean, I saw him, they were divorced. And so it was like visitation rights. Basically Mm -hmm. I saw him like whenever he had Anyway, I don't, I don't know what it's called whenever he had those rights. And so it was like monthly or, or whatever. It wasn't very often and he wasn't very involved. Um, and he actually passed away when I was, uh, six, 15 or 16. Um, so my dad was not a very big part of my life at all. And so it was just my mom and I have two brothers, two older brothers. And so, uh, my oldest brother was, um, he was kind of like, he went on his own path, but my, my middle brother and myself, we were in church growing up, just like non-denominational. We lived in Alabama. And, um, I remember the, like the altar call where the pastor will be like, if you want to, you know, be saved, like say this prayer and, and come up here. And, and I remember doing that in sixth grade. Um, and then I thought like, okay, that's it. I'm a Christian, like I'm saved. I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven. And, you know, just like this very like simple mentality, which, you know, becoming a believer is not a difficult thing, but I think that it can be oversimplified. Um, and especially when it's just like, say this prayer and that's it. And so, excuse me, there was not really, there wasn't, a profession of faith, and then a surrender of my life to the Lord. And so I thought I was saved. Um, And then I went through high school and graduated, and I didn't meet Noah until I was 20. And uh, I had just gotten out of a long relationship, and I was going to school. I was in like pre-nursing school classes, and I met Noah. And um, he came from this like really rich background of just like faith. And like, he was the first person I'd ever met where like, he just spoke about his faith so boldly. And like, so he was so knowledgeable. You could tell he was just like immersed in this. And like, he was, he just knew so much. And so we started going to this Bible study together. And one night after that, we were in his car, like listening to worship music. And I just remember like, he had, he had told, we were sharing like a testimony. He was sharing his testimony with me. And I remember like listening to his testimony and he had just this like such surety in his salvation. And I remember thinking like, I, I don't have that. And, and I remember just, we were listening to music together and I just like started praying out loud, which is like, I didn't, I was not the the pray out loud girl. And, um, I just prayed out loud and I, I said, Lord, like, I, I want you I I surrender my life to you. And so it was like, 
it was at that moment where I knew like this has changed me forever. And I like, I get, I still get goosebumps. Just yeah. Like I just did. How cool. <laughs> I love it. And and that you don't have to have a moment like no, that. No, no. I did. And I'm so thankful for it. And so my husband actually uh, baptized me um, after we got married. Um, I, I said, you know, I had already gotten baptized when I was younger as a kid. Um, but I said, I, I want to get baptized again because I really do feel like this, this was my moment of salvation. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I came to know the Lord. And it's really cool that I can be like, my husband had a part in that, you know? Yeah. Wow. That is so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Praise the Lord (laughs) for his faithfulness. And then how did you, did you always want a big family? Did that just kind of happen? I mean, you were going for four and ended up with five at one point. So that part kind of jumped you into the big leagues. But yeah, how did that work? I feel like going from three to five was like, whoa, like, and I'm sure a lot of people aren't familiar with our story, but we, we had three and then I got pregnant again and we actually didn't know it was twins until I gave birth. Um, So I had a home birth and I had gotten an ultrasound the day before. This was like 2020, height of COVID. I didn't want to deal with the hospital. So I was doing a home birth and my midwife like never felt to, she never heard to, like she never, no signs of there being two. (laughs) No way. Except at the end, I was just a little bit bigger and like measuring a little bit bigger, but I'm like not a small person. I'm very broad and tall. And so I was carrying like, it wasn't until the end where I really like started measuring farther along. So I had an ultrasound just to make sure the day before I went into labor and they only saw one. And so, um, then I, with the ultrasound. Yeah. With the ultrasound. And so then I gave birth the next day and there was two anyway. So, (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like, like with ultrasound technology, they could see everything. That is so crazy. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty wild story. And I have, I've, I've been on podcasts and it's, it's all, it's on my Instagram. You can go read the whole birth story if, if anybody's interested in it, but the Lord was so faithful, but nevertheless, we went from three children and thinking we were done to getting a fourth surprise pregnancy. We weren't trying. And then now we have twins. And so we went from three to five. And to answer your question, I, I don't think I ever like thought of myself as like, oh, I'm going to have five kids. Like even now I'm like, I have five kids. Like (laughs) how how am I responsible enough to have five children? Um, but you know, I, I think it's just, something that kind of grows on you. I never was like, I want a big family or I I never, I knew I never wanted like just one kid. I knew I wanted mm-hmm. at least two or three. Um, but I don't think I ever thought I would have five. It just, it feels big. <laughs> it feels big. Yeah. That's what I would assume. I would assume five feels big, especially when it hits you that fast and you jump from three to five because three to five is just a gigantic gap in my brain. Three is like, okay, one more than two. You're still a, like, you're still an American family, even though you're like a little extracurricular, you know, but then five is like, you go anywhere and people are like, they are insane. (laughs) Five is the five is the like, oh, you've got your hands full, like sprinter van. Yeah. 
did you guys like have to get a new car? Was your car already big enough? And um, we had a minivan, but okay. uh, this just this last year we ended up getting a Transit, a Ford Transit, okay. which is like the big like twelve passenger van, just because we want to travel and we we really don't desire to fly and it's expensive to do so. So we we were just like and, and both of our families live um, out of state, so just for traveling, really we we want to get more space. room. We can all still fit in the van. But um, the, the the transit's nice. Yeah, I bet that's awesome. <laughs> so, is there anything that's taken you off guard in motherhood aside from you know becoming aside from the twins? <laughs> um, <laughs> was, aside yeah, from the that obvious, was, that was something. Um, I think probably just how selfish we are with our time um, when you become a mom. Like every waking and sometimes sleeping moment is dedicated to raising your children. And it is just so all consuming. And sometimes Noah and I like look at each other and we're like, what did we even do? Like before we had kids, like what, what did we do with our time? You know, like we kind of reminisce a little bit because it was sweet times, like the newlywed days, you know, we would go to the gym and grill out at the pool. And like, and we were just like, what, what did we do with the, the, the time that we had? And so I think just like, yeah, just the realization of how selfish you really are as a person mm-hmm. before becoming a mother, because then you become a mom and like your whole life changes as it should. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. I would just say how selfish we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, no joke. It's incredible the way that capabilities grow and continue to grow. And God just continues to give those to us. Because if like us and our newly married selves would look at where we're at and be like, this is how your life's going to look. It's like, yeah, right. There's no way. <laughs> when am I going to have time to laugh? Cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I feel my tan's going to suffer <laughs> again, the perspective shift. Right. And so like sometimes during my day, I'll be distracted and trying to do things. It's very easy having a job on your phone. It's very easy to lose the boundary with that. And so I do find that if I'm trying to like multitask and this doesn't just apply to like the phone, but I think that is something that everybody can relate to. Even if you don't have a business, just like the pool of your phone or just trying to get something done. Like if you're like starting a task and you want to get it done and, and your kids are interrupting you because they're kids, um, it's very easy to like get snappy and get frustrated with your kids because of something that you're trying to do that doesn't necessarily need to be done right now. Um, I think that perspective shift where like these kids are my priority right now. Like I am their mother and it is my job to raise them. And just having that perspective shift of like, putting aside self and saying like, I can, this is really not important. I can do this later and involving them and being undistracted. Like an undistracted mother is a great mother. Um, when I'm distracted, it's, you know, you, you're, you tend to be a little bit more irritable. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. An undistracted mother is a great mother. How true is that? And how often are we distracted? (laughs) There's so many, so convicting generation of kids. And I, this is the hardest time to be a mom. It is Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. well, okay. I don't know. Maybe, you know, like looking back like generations ago, but like they didn't have these types of distractions that we had. They didn't have these 
pulls that we have from technology. And I really think it takes intentionality to set those aside and to really like pour into your kids when really we just want to kind of escape sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that kind of plays into, you know, the letting, the dying of self. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's a huge, huge pull. Um, yeah, we're just having to fight a lot of things that other people didn't have to when it comes to in-person relationship, like life just used to foster in-person relationship. And yeah. now we have to very intentionally create that. Um, and okay. So many, so many, sorry, but like no, so no. many aspects of culture that are fighting against the family unit and mm-hmm. the Christian family unit. Like there's so many things that are going against that, you know? So like public, the public school system and the things that they're teaching the kids in the public school system, like that's not, that wasn't happening just a decade ago, you know? Yes. And so there's, there's so many attacks right now. And there's so people will be like attacks. Like you're so dramatic. Like, no, this is not no, dramatic. Like yeah. it, it is, an, it is a real, like turning away from everything that the Lord says is good. Yeah. It's pulling apart the family and creating a bunch of isolated individuals and isolated individuals are a lot easier to manipulate. And they're also lonely and depressed and just, and we just start trying to self-medicate to make ourselves feel insulated against, you know, the family unit was like the insulation against the world. You had your people and, um, now we're just trying to pull it all apart and yeah, it's heartbreaking. And, and it's so affirming when you go along with that model of life. Um, you're very affirmed in that when you try to do something different and say, Hey, I'm going to keep my kids at home and my husband and I are going to prioritize our relationship and exclude other people from it and all these things. It's like, that's not affirmed. And it's just, I mean, what else can you expect? (laughs) It is what it is. Uh, uh, So I wanted to end on a health conscious note where at the beginning of the new year, I want people to go to your page first and foremost. We're going to tell people where they could find that. But if you could give people two things that they could do at the beginning of the year, you know, there's so many things. What would you say are going to be, how would you, yeah, what would those things be? Where, Where should people start? What do you feel like is most important? Yeah, I think there's a lot of noise in the health and wellness industry. And I think that there's a lot of, um, it can be very overwhelming Mm -hmm. to jump in and say like, I'm going to overhaul everything that is so not sustainable. Um, where I am right now, I've, this has been a, a 10 year journey to get to where we're at now. So if there was just two things, I would say the first one would be to move your body every single day whether like whatever that looks like for you, whether that's, um, a workout that you follow on the laptop, um, during nap time or going on a walk, everybody can walk. I was just talking about this the other day on my story. Like most people in the world can just get up and go on a walk. So, and walking is great for our health. So if that's the only thing that you can do to move your body, then do that. Um, but just, you know, like 30 minutes a day, find something that you love to do and involve your kids in that if you can. Uh, cause you know, not every mom has time. I know I didn't for a really, really long time have the luxury of going to the gym and getting a workout in. I had mm-hmm. to figure out how to do that at home. I had to go on runs when my husband got home from work, or I had to lift weights while my kids were sleeping or napping. So, you know, just, just find time 
to pour back into yourself because um, our health really does impact our kids. And I want to be here for as long as possible for my children. And so even if it's just getting up and going on a walk for 30 minutes, put your kids in the stroller and just go walk. Um, I think that that's something that's very attainable that most people can do. Um, so move your body would be my first one. And then the second one is very easy and it's something that everyone can do. Read, start reading labels. Um, there are so many processed foods in our world these days. We try and stick to mostly whole foods, which are foods that grow in the ground or on trees or, you know, we find them already in our world. And so there's not going to be an ingredient label for that. That's it's, an apple is just an apple. Um, but if you are eating, you know, packaged foods or using cleaning supplies or makeup or beauty, anything like not just food, but read labels because once you start reading labels, you're going to be like, well, I don't know what that is. And so then look it up and become informed about what that ingredient is. Um, especially with food, I think that it is, it's life-changing to kind of start like knowing what's actually in your food. Yeah, no, that's really good. And you could kind of learn as you, as you go at a pace that is practical for you. I remember I read this book and she was talking about unhealthy oils and sugar. I was just like, just, just avoid those two things, um, to start. And you start reading the back of every packaged label and it's like, you can't find something without these oils or sugar in it, one or the other or both. Um, and that was kind of our trigger to start eating a lot more homemade stuff. Like you said, where it's like, you have to just do it from scratch. Yeah. When I did, I remember doing whole 30 after my second daughter was born and I think it was the meat, like the deli meat. It couldn't have sugar in it. Like that was like one of the, you know, that's one of the ingredients. Sorry. My, the sun is like, (laughs) you're you're glowing. It was, I remember how hard it was to find a deli meat that didn't have added sugars. And I'm like, why are we adding sugar to Dell? Like it, it was just crazy. And so that was like, I think that was kind of like my light bulb moment of starting to read labels. And then also my health journey of, I got really bad migraines. Um, and so cutting out a lot of things in my diet, um, MSG being one of those, how many mm. foods contain MSG it's alarming. And so, um, yeah, read labels, read your labels, not just on your food, but on the things that you're putting on your skin and the things that you're using on your countertops that then you're eating off of. <laughs> like cleaners are such an easy way to eliminate toxins in your life. And it's often, it is cheaper to make your own household cleaners just with vinegar and lemon. Like so easy. Yeah, I love that. I love how you make it simple and you make it simple on your Instagram and on your website. So tell people real quick where they can find you to learn more. Cause I think you're just an incredible resource in this, in this field, in motherhood and in health. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, um, mainly on Instagram at purely Parsons with an S on the end. Uh, you can check out my highlights there. I've got hundreds of hours of highlights recorded and saved from over the years of, lots of different ailments that I, um, will share kind of like what we have done over the years. I've been converting those into posts, um, where it's very easy to access, but I'm also in the process of writing a book where it'll be like a natural remedies guide. So that will be coming out, 
um, hopefully this spring. Um, but then I also have a website where we sell um, organic elderberry syrup kits and we have some other products, some uh, detox bath kits and a face serum and just different products like that. So that's just www.purelyparsons.com. And I also spent a, a lot of time on that website. I have a whole section dedicated to things that I can't necessarily talk about on Instagram, um, <laughs> yeah. health stuff. And I have a blog where you can search, um, and I have a faith tab on there and a whole tab related to the immunizations, uh, childhood immunizations, which I definitely can't talk about on Instagram anymore. Um, so yeah, lots of resources on my website as well. There you go. If you want the sensor free version, <laughs> go there. Awesome. We'll link both those things down below in the description box. And uh, thank you so much for jumping on today. It just, it really blessed me. And I know it's going to encourage our listeners that are, you know, we're at the beginning of a new year and it's, it's time to make some changes. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.